Morning. Welcome to Money Matters. Uh, Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave today. Got a little bit of a different show. Um, phones aren't working right now. So if you'd like to correspond with us, please send an email. Um, jstone at petsofinancial.net. Uh, also, we're going to kind of mix this up a bit too. You heard a little bit of a recording with Kevin and Dave at the beginning. We're going to also play that again at the end of the show. Um, Tom has a commitment. And if you're out and about in Meridian, the Children's Museum, some of my favorite people are having touch a truck from 10 to 12. So he's going to go help his wife with that. Um, and my husband's birthday. So I got to say happy birthday to him. So we have some things going on. So we've just mixed the show up a little bit today. So uh, yes, the market, what a crazy thing, right? We're just looking at the top holdings in the S&P 500. There's actually 503 stocks in that, that indice. 293 of them are positive year today. That is crazy. And then another half a dozen or so are flat. Who would have thought after last year, heading into this year, that we would have that type of a market performance? Yeah, I was talking to somebody just yesterday. I was saying if in January or December, I would have told you, hey, you need to be all in the S&P 500 because it's going to, we're going to have a bull market in six months. They would have said, why would you even think that? What can you see that would cause you to even think it's possible? That's why we don't do that. That's mm -hmm. why today we're going to talk about going back to the basics again. Uh, it's so important to really sit down and think about why you invest, what you're trying to accomplish with your investments. We're also going to give you a few tidbits on how to write out the stock market volatility and other, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to have, but we're going to dive into as much as we can as we go through this. And again, if you do have questions, I will be checking my email on the breaks. Uh, and we also want to talk to what barriers we have to investment success, because we are truly our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about um, economists and money managers and these folks that don't get the market right more than a coin flip mm -hmm. or where the economy is going to go and what's going to happen. So why do we listen to professionals? Why do we dive in and um, believe in what they're they're trying to get us to do? Well, part of it is because when they tell you what they assume is going to happen, they don't tell you to react. They just reporting what they see. They just talk about what they see. So doesn't mean that we should follow what they do. But the one thing, I've never heard an economist say, get out, get in, do this, zigzag, unless they're really selling something like mm -hmm. a newsletter or they're yeah. a perma bear or, or there's something. some sort of program that, Correct. that they're being paid to do that. Correct. So what do we do? So when we look at investments, there's three things that I usually say. What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do that? And how? So what, why, and how? The what is, I want to retire at some point and live well. One of my favorite quotes that I just saw recently is, retirement is wonderful if you have two essentials, much to live on and much to live for. So think about that for a minute when you're deciding what to save, how to save. So the first decision is, my what is retirement? Right. So there, then, then what's the why? Yeah, the why, yeah. what is it because you just don't want to work anymore? Is it because you want to travel so many different things that can pull into that. But I think that the big deal that a lot of people do that nowadays is they feel that they're compelled that they have to, right? It's I'm 60, I'm over 60 now, everybody else is retiring. They should retire for some reason, but they don't really, haven't really figured out what they're going to do when they do it and mm -hmm. why they're retiring. They're just go, well, I guess I have to retire because I'm getting older. Right. So if you've decided, even if you're at the younger phases of life and you're trying to focus on building that wealth to get to retirement, what does retirement look like for you? 
like Tom was saying, is it just an age and you've decided I'm done and I want to go on and do something else? Is it because you want to shift careers and find something that you do that gives you more fulfillment than just the prior career you've been in? What is that why for you in retirement? Once you've determined your what and your why, now you go to the how do I get to that point? So how do I build a portfolio? What should that look like? What does diversity mean? How many different asset classes should I have? So when you start going through all of this and you've determined your what, why, and now your how, what's going to make you change from that plan? Right. Why would the short-term noise change your those three Long-term decisions you've plan. made? Yeah, I think that's, that's – and, you know, we were talking before about this, and I thought your comments on this were so right on in that when you – get it down to the basics and you really are just looking at the basics, then you can really go, oh, I'm really overthinking this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to because my cousin said I should be in real estate or so-and-so said I should go to gold or something like that isn't really helping me clarify why or how I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of noise that it can become really confusing. Right. And once you set these targets, really believe what you're doing. Like Mm -hmm. another quote I heard was believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. What does that truly mean is if you really believe that what you've decided to do and how you're going to get there is the plan you're on. Why do you doubt that when things get rocky? Right. Right. So believe what you believe and doubt what you doubt. Especially when those things, those rocky times should be expected. They are expected. And so it shouldn't be, uh, oh, my goodness, I never thought there'd be a bear market. Right. Mm -hmm. It, It would be like, oh. There's a bear market. There is a, a, a quote unquote, the big recession coming. Well, mm-hmm. we've had recessions in the past. We're going to have them in the future. We should not not expect that they're not going to happen again. Right. On average, at some point in every year, the market is down around 14%. Let that sink in for a minute when you start to react to saying your portfolio is down 5 or 10 On average, once a year, you're down 14%. But to flip the coin over, 76% of the time, the market is up. So those are the times that we say, expect this to happen because it's going to continue. So go back to the plan you created and say, you know what? I really want to send my kids to college and have them come out debt free. So there you've just decided this is what I want to do. So why do you want to do that? Well, you want them to have an easy life and move on and be able to save and not be saddled in debt. There's your why. So how do you get there? So now you've decided, again, those three questions to ask yourself and then back into a portfolio to meet those objectives. Mm -hmm. As financial advisors, we're here to help you target those because things do change. The field changes, but we're not all or nothing players ever. So if now you say, I'm going to send my kid to college in a year, well, should I be putting that money in the stock market? Or maybe I should look for an alternative for that, maybe a bond fund, maybe money markets even. Mm -hmm. That's, again, going back to how am I going to get to where I am? Mm-hmm. Because if your kid's going to school in a year and the market has a correction, which is expected, do you are you able to still fund what you want to with a correction? Exactly. Okay. So that's why sit down and just really design this. Write it down. Live by it. Because mm-hmm. if you really have it and you say, I just checked the market today and you know what? Friday was a down day. I know we had up weeks, but Friday was down. Maybe I should have done something and harvest the gains because, oh, now the next correction's coming. And you start to overthink. And then you're going to react. So go back to what you wrote down. This is where I'm trying to get to. So how am I going to get there? And do I let my emotions change any of that plan? Right. You know, in our business, we have what is called an investment policy statement. And you really should have that for all of your, whether they're savings or whatever, you should have some sort of plan, a statement saying this is how I'm going to accomplish whatever I'm doing. 
and then you look for the tools to do that mm-hmm. and and uh and go with what you know it, just because you know your son says you should buy bitcoin um does that fit what you're trying to do or does it seem just like a a, a gamble that you want to that someone else is telling you should take mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. And we're not taking away the emotional side of this. This is why we have this program is to try to make people understand that we're human beings and we're going to react. So if you make a commitment to yourself to go back to that plan you created on each investment account that you have and say, does what's going on today affect this plan? If it does, then you should reevaluate. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't times when you need to dive in and look at things and say, is this where we should be? Because my goal is getting closer and closer. But most people at retirement don't take the entire portfolio out and spend it. They start drawing income. So that's not Mm -hmm. an end point. That's a shifting point. Mm -hmm. So things do change along the way. That's why you create plans and look at them. But you don't react. You plan for events to happen. And I think that's why we are what we've, you know, the value we give to people is to keep them on their plan and not get off their plan and doing things that undermine what they were trying to accomplish. Right. All right. All right we're going to take a break. Um, shoot me an email if you'd like, jstone at petsofinancial.net. And we'll be back with some tips of how to maybe just stay in the market and shut down a little bit more of that noise and just continue to plan for what you're trying to accomplish. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Uh, We are both certified financial planners with Petso Financial, and we have a few years of experience. I'm going on almost 30. Yeah. And you're almost 20? You know, it's it's just numbers, but 18. All right, good. So, uh, again, phones are not working here, unfortunately. They're struggling a little bit with some tech. At least we're able to be live, which we're thankful for. But if you did have something or a topic or a question, I would love to answer emails. I will be checking them throughout the show. Stone at petsofinancial.net. Also, we're going to have a recording at the end of the hour so that Tom can go join Tuck- Touch a Truck with the Children's Museum. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's pretty cool from 10 to 12 today. Yeah. And they have a bomb robot. Oh, wow. I, I don't even know how that's going to work. But yeah. I, I, I hope they're not going to do one live, but they're going to. And they have a monster truck. So Cool. Cool. It should, sounds that's amazing. Exciting. Yeah. So go check it out if you're out and about. And also, I think they're doing another fundraiser, too, at Bardenay on Monday, right? I think it's from the 19th from yep, 5 to 9. Yeah, yep. I think they're there too. So if you haven't met the lovely folks out of the Children's Museum, you should check it out. One of my favorite places and some of my favorite people. So if you're out and about, check both of those events out. All right, now back to the financial show. Um, again, we're going on about going back to the basics. I feel that every investment account should answer three questions, what, why, and how. So we're going to talk about now that you've gotten past that, you're comfortable now, how do you continue to stay in the market and not let that volatility throw away the plan? I know it's easy to say, I've made a plan. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to continue to go back and review this every time I get nervous. But we're human. People are talking recession, not as much as they were because we've had a nice little recovery. We talk politi- politics all the time and the lack of confidence and leadership right now. We have an election coming up soon. There's all these inputs that are going to say, yeah, I know I agreed to do this, but what about this time? It has to be different this time, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the, one of the worst things to fall into is this time is different. First of all, it's always different. Mm-hmm. History rhymes, but doesn't repeat. So something's going to happen every time that's going to throw that plan off slightly but you can't react to it. The only thing that can destroy the plan you create is your reaction to what's coming at you. And it is funny. That's exactly true in that in the 80s when I was uh, 
when I was just getting out of college, the big thing was Japan was buying everything, right? Japan was buying, they bought Pebble Beach. They bought all these things. And Japan was the, the rising star. And uh, everybody was just, you know, worried that Japan was going to take over. And uh, then they kind of folded. And uh, their economy hasn't done well since. And now, yesterday, I'm talking to somebody, and they go, China, China's, I saw this thing, and China's taking over, and they're way ahead of us and all this stuff, and China, China, China. And I, and I agree. I think China is. There are some worrisome things. But it's, it's very similar in what people are saying, again, mm-hmm. just it rhymes a lot with the 80s in, in Japan, and now, now it's China, and, you know, next time will be, and fill in the blank. Right, right. We are still the biggest and the best country. And I'm going to steal Dave's quote because I believe it as well. You won the lottery ticket of life being born, born in this country. You truly have. You have every opportunity to change your path, to create what you want, to do what you want to do. Again, you're the only one that can destroy your destiny, right? Mm-hmm. So again, let's go back to some of the things that we feel are important fundamentals with sticking to the course. A couple of them are just don't react to the market. And I know I keep saying that over and over again, but if you're out just a few days, you lose almost all of the return. And those good days always happen when they're least expected. No one expected the market that we're having today. No. So why would you go, oh, well, I, I could have wiggled my way through this. I mean, we have people, and I understand when they come in and they sit down and they're nervous. This is their money. This is their wealth. You don't know what the personal feelings they have until you sit down and talk with them. So if they're uncomfortable with laws that are changing in Idaho or things that are going on and they have extreme feelings one way or the other, it's hard sometimes to be optimistic about your investing. That's why you have to stick to the plan and go back to the basics and don't let that reaction happen because it will over and over again. And you've been doing this long time. You've had a few clients that have been tested, Mm -hmm. especially once they were taking income that I know that you've Mm-hmm. Talked off the ledge several times. Yep. I think we all have at some point. Mm-hmm. I think 08 was the time that it was really, really evident. Now it's a little bit more, I, I, people seem to jump quicker to getting worried than they used to. They used to let the market slide. I think it's just everywhere you go, you hear about it. Mm-hmm. Even back in 08, the technology wasn't as good as it is. I mean, the iPhone was created in 07. Now my watch tells me what the market did today. My phone tells me, my computer tells me, the TV tells me. No one reads a newspaper because it's all too instant, mm-hmm. right? No one cares to wait that long to get information. And even on the journal, we look at it daily on mm-hmm. The computer. I don't wait for the paper copy. We look at it online. So you get so much information as soon as it happens. Mm-hmm. So that also makes it more difficult to stay put. Yeah. So when you're doing this, let's go back through and say, okay, so if you're concerned about the market, there's this lovely thing called dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging, we call it DCA, just as acronyms are easier. You do this every time you make a contribution to an investment and you don't think about it. That's why I really like employer-sponsored plans. Whether they match or they don't, I don't care. It creates the habit of saving no matter what the market's yeah. doing. <clears throat> I've seen so many people be able to use that as the way to make millions, and they never even think about it. And that's the important thing. They take the human element mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. And it did <clears throat> become this big thing that, oh, if they're not matching, there's no point. That, to me, is not the right answer. The point is your saving. Mm-hmm. And, and you really need to get up to that, yeah, to that 10 it. to 15%, if at all possible, of saving for yourself. As soon as you start your job, sit down, look at the benefits that company offers you, sign up immediately if they don't have an automatic enrollment, which they started to do a lot more, and get that bumped up because if you don't have it, you won't miss it. And pay attention to what, if it is automatic, what they're 
they're putting you in and making sure that you know what you're invested in because sometimes it can be a pretty conservative thing when you're a younger person you can be you could invest it better so yeah. knowing what you're investing in is important yep yep it always defaults it tends to anymore default to some lifestyle fund just so that it's not going to cash but look at it and say you know my target for retirement is years from now so maybe you just use their furthest out target date fund which means you know i'm not going to retire in the year 2080 but i'm going to use that fund so i get mostly stocks pretty simple to do and they mm -hmm. do do that now more than putting it just in a cash account yep. And then look at your taxes and say, you know what? I really would like a diversified bucket of investments when I retire. I'd like some that I'm not going to pay tax on. So maybe do some contributions to Roth and some to pre-tax. So reduce your tax now and then don't pay tax later is kind of a nice thing. Mm -hmm. And you brought up something yesterday that was really important as you get go along that everybody's custom. Everybody has a custom situation. Some fundamentals are the same, but uh, when you have certain circumstances, those you need to your investments need to fit your situation and maybe that isn't the same as the guy your neighbor or your mm -hmm. you know other people in your family so you need to pay attention to that yeah i uh, <clears throat> was talking with a, a, a client at one point and they had a small account for one of their kids and they just decided to put it in the s p 500 fund with no thought they said well it's just a small account it doesn't matter if this it's a small account. It still has a purpose. Mm -hmm. So what are you saving that money for? If you've decided to put $1,000 away to help your kid pay for books while they're in college and the market has a normal correction and they don't have that $1,000, is that the right place for them to be? Right. So look at, again, I don't care the size of the portfolio. Every dollar matters. Um, you, It's hard to earn, right? We've all right. worked really hard to <clears throat> save. So everything should have a purpose and yeah, a value. And nowadays that things are paying better interest. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunities that you can make in make something a lot more than you could have two years ago in something pretty simple. So leaving your money just sitting in the bank um, is could be you could be giving up four or five percent on your money and not be taking on any more risk by doing that. Right. So look at your uh, even contact your bank. I know some banks are starting to do money markets now uh, and just say, hey, you know, I've got 50,000 sitting here. I'd like to earn something. Look and see if they have something available. So your savings earns as well, because we're talking real money now when you're talking four and a half, five percent on cash. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> in our credit union capital educators, the, you know, the checking pays five and a quarter up to ten thousand dollars. I mean, uh, five and a quarter two years ago would have been unheard of mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and uh, and then i was in there yesterday and they have a savings a high savings account for four so why would we leave anything and earn point one right when these things are sitting here available with no uh no restrictions Yep. All right. So there, uh, we have so many things we want to talk about, but we have such limited time today just because of the way the show structured. But we do love emails. So email <laughs> me, jstone at petsofinancial.net. And again, I will be checking that periodically through the show and would love to answer questions. But we also wanted to talk about what should you do the decade before you're getting close to retirement? We have already determined that retirement is our end game. So we've got the what, why, and how figured out. And now we decide what other things can we do other than just manage the portfolio for the investment side? What about determining when is the right time to retire? What is your target for that? How do you grow your nest egg even maybe a little bit bigger so you can have a better lifestyle? Because I did, um, Tom and I were chatting about this too. We encourage people for large expenses that come up to try to do some of those before you get into retirement, right? But the problem with that thought process, and we beat each other up a bit because we always question, which is good, we like to question each other, is life continues to happen after retirement. 
your roof will still need to be replaced. This is not the last car you're ever going to buy. So you still have to plan for life. Life continues even after you decide you're done working. So how do you plan for those things? Uh, Social Security, when's the right time to take it? And some of these may call over to the Nick show, but we'll remember them when we come again and do them. (laughs) But for now, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to go into some of these things to plan for as you head into retirement. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave today. Um, just another reminder, we are not able to take calls right now. Um, Bo's working really hard to get that figured out, but we can take emails and I will be checking that prayer today. It's uh, jstone at petsofinancial.net. So let's get into a couple topics that are very important. I want to repeat one more quote, though, because I think this one really hit me. Retirement is wonderful if you have much to live on and much to live for. So instead of just looking at retirement as an endpoint, what does retirement look like? What are you going to do when you retire? Mm-hmm. Playing golf all day sounds lovely until you have to play golf all day. And until you really are not playing very well, then it isn't mm-hmm. so much fun. Right. Or traveling. Mm-hmm. Traveling is something you've always wanted to do. Do you have plans for that? Do you know how much it's going to cost? Do you know if you've got that built into the budget? Um, what does it look like? Really sit down and lay it out. Practicing for retirement is the best way to really understand what you can live on and be comfortable. Everyone says, I won't be driving into work anymore. I won't have to buy work clothes. I won't have to be buying lunch or whatever. And all those expenses go away, but they're replaced with going out to lunch together, Mm -hmm. maybe buying more casual clothes because you don't have any now because Mm -hmm. you had so much work clothes. So things replace each other in costs. So living less in retirement, I don't really see most people that we work with doing that. Yeah. And another way of saying it is you retire, you re, you retire to something, you don't retire away from something. And I think that that's really important to just like you're saying, it's really important to figure out, you know, especially at that initial phase, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we have a lot of clients that retire to working part time. And they feel very they, it gets them up in the morning, gets them doing something, but they still have a lot more free time. And they're making a little extra money to do something, and they have a little, and uh, and it it fills that gap of, of time because we've and I know you have too had these people thought retirement was just going to be great, and then after a month they're sitting there going, I am completely bored, mm-hmm. and they they haven't done a good job of looking forward and planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And at the end of your career, you're usually at the highest responsibility, highest income level you've ever been at. So going from being the head person to being at the bottom is kind of hard as well. So a lot mm-hmm. of times people will leave one career and then work their way up in another and then have all that pressure back again. So sometimes it's easier just to stay where you are because you're comfortable and you know what's going on. Plus, retirement doesn't just have to be an age. I had a client come in that said, I'm going to be 65 next year. I'm retiring. Do you want to retire? No. Then why are you retiring? Well, everyone told me 65 was a year you retire. I said, but you love your job. Yes, I love what I do. It gets me up and going every morning. Like Tom said, it's really fun and fulfilling for me. So then don't give up something you enjoy just because of an age. Leaving Social Security to grow longer is a wonderful thing if you don't need it. And if you have portfolios, and even if financially you're ready because you've saved well and you've planned well, that doesn't mean you have to retire if you're not ready. Right. I I have a client or we have a client that's 72 gets up, rides his bike to work, mm-hmm. loves it every day, and wouldn't know what he'd do if he wasn't doing it. So yep. so um, he goes, I'm just going to keep doing this and uh, until I can't. 
And yeah. I go, that awesome. Yeah, Dave's dad works with us still. Yeah. We um, hired him out of retirement back in 07. So we, we tease him and say he made the market crash and go into the Great mm-hmm. Recession when he joined us. But he's 82 years old. He comes in all the time. And mm-hmm. he said if he wasn't working, he'd go to college because he wants to keep sharp. He wants to keep involved. And the best way for him is to continue to do what he loves to do. Mm-hmm. So if you love what you're doing, that how do you determine when the right age to retire is? Retiring to something, so maybe changing what you're doing, but we're all so much younger, we're all so much healthier than we ever thought we would be. So what is your end game for retirement? Yeah, it is. And I, I appreciate people that, hey, if you want to retire early and you can do that, I, we have a couple, well, I have a few clients that retired in their 50s and they're loving life mm-hmm. and they're doing great. Yeah. Um, but that... On the flip side, you know, it's always funny. What do you think I could retire at 55? And I always ask him, do you, are you sure you want to? Mm-hmm. Some people do, and it works out great. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear the music. We're at the top of the hour, so we're going to go away for a break. And then when we come back, we have one long segment. So, again, shoot over an email if you'd like me to answer it on the other side of the hour. So we will be back to you after Fox News. Jay Stone at PetsoFinancial.net. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso. Uh, This is our last segment, and we're going to go to a recording at the end of the hour. Tom has to head out to touch a truck, and we have some plans for my wonderful husband's birthday. Yeah, his birthday was yesterday, wasn't it? It was, yep. yep. He's getting younger, though, all the time. So is this one of those things where you have a birthday, and then you you celebrate it for days and days and days? Yeah, he gets a birthday weekend because, you know, Father's Day always falls right around there, too. So, you know, might as well stretch it through the whole weekend. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, I, I'm for him. I, I would be completely all. Yeah. All there you go. <laughs> um, and then our 30th anniversary is on Monday. Oh wow! Congratulations. And, uh, and I just really, I'm really glad that nationally they've made a holiday out of it. That was thoughtful. I, I know they made it up. They said that it was about something else, but I know it's all about just us. I would own it. Yeah. Just own it. It's all about you. Yeah, and they and they closed the market, so we don't. It's amazing, it's, right? It's, wow. I know. <laughs> I know. Thirty years ago, who would have known? Yeah. All right. So let's get back to the basics on a few more things as we finish off the show today. Uh, First, don't forget your what, why, and how. Uh, You know, that seems very simple, but just sit down today. If there's something you've been thinking about, uh, maybe buying a new car or a new house or whatever that might be. So create your what, then decide why. Why do you need a new car? Is it because you like cars or is it because you need one? What's the definition? Do you need a bigger house, smaller house? What is the reason you're making that decision? And then determine how to get there. Uh, are you going to save from every monthly paycheck? Are you going to take some savings and do something with it? Sit down and decide that, and it will help you clarify the end game. And that's really important on how to invest. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important that uh, the the why. Uh, it's that when you really start thinking about it, it really takes some time with that because a lot of times we get caught up into the catch ourselves up into the why, and we realize that it wasn't because – it was really a need. It was a want. It was a want. And that's okay and if you yeah, can afford it. Yeah. It, just like yesterday, someone talked to me about getting some property in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, why? The why, we had to talk about that for a while. And then if they can afford it and how they were going to do it. And then it turned out that maybe it wouldn't work out. Right. Because, right. And even though they could afford it, they went. Yeah. But uh, no, when you talk through what the cost to do what they wanted to do per year was, they went, why would right. we do this? Well, and it turns out you go camping one time and there's, you know, a thousand people all around you. And you go, I hate doing it this. I hate this. What would it be better? Oh, we could have our own place mm-hmm. for that one time mm-hmm. to get out of that one time. 
Right. And now we're now we have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars commitment to go uh, every year to go to have one time. Right. right? And uh, and he started thinking it through, and he go, our why isn't very strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to really write it down and think about it. It does help. It really does give clarity on what you're trying to right. do. Is, and another a good example is solar. <coughs> now, it seems like everybody is like, oh, I'm going to get solar, get solar, get solar. And the, But if you really go through the numbers, it isn't because you're trying to save money on your electric bill. Because the, the payment is, uh, I mean, the payback is so poor. So mm-hmm. it's, but nowadays everybody thinks they have to have solar or they w- want it, but the once you think it through, a lot of times people go, oh, yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Right. I had someone actually say, you know, I never, ever write a check to Idaho Power again, but my payment for my solar is 500 a month. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that that's still money you don't have, whether right. it goes to Idaho Power or to your solar panel payment. Right. So, it, But it is. Again, that just goes back to I'm not questioning people if that's something that you feel you're you really want to do, then just make sure you can afford it. And you're realistically looking at the numbers and not saying it's out of pocket. It's because I believe in right. solar. Yeah. You want to do it because you believe in the, Correct. about the technology, not because it's an economic thing. And that's the same thing about buying lights, ca- placing Cascade or McCall. People go, well, I think it'd be a good investment. Don't talk yourselves into it because it's a good investment. Talk because you want to have a place mm-hmm. and you know, it's a luxury. It's not a need. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then make it happen if that's really what you want to do. But don't sit there and go, hey, this is a great way to save for my retirement. Right. I think people do that on um, property or land or other type of things just because they want to, in their mind, justify the expense. Mm-hmm. And if they say, hey, at least I'll get something back out of it, it feels better than just saying I'm going to throw it away on something. Right. But just sit there, think about can you afford it? Is it something you want to use your hard-earned dollars for? And if you can, does it change any of your other investment accounts and why they were set up so if your retirement's going to be less fun or whatever you're going to have less for retirement because you're choosing something now just be realistic with yourself and say this is a choice i made to Mm -hmm. live less in retirement because i want to live more now right those are decisions to have you're tying that up and you're adding risk to a situation because now you've tied your money up into a illiquid asset Mm -hmm. and uh that costs and real estate is the only investment or purchase that requires you to put more money into it as you go along mm-hmm. while your mutual fund doesn't call you that the toilet is out in the middle of the night or so, the roof's leaking like always right now yes right? so so it's it's a I, I think it's a this is a great three word thing for everybody to go through for everything they do mm-hmm. and i think it's really good good so now social security Everybody I talk to right now is all up in arms about Social Security. It happens periodically because it's becoming discussed. They have to provide a solution. So we're talking about it right now. But just because you're 62 years old and you're now eligible for your first part of Social Security doesn't mean you should take it because it's going to go away. I think that question is asked all the time. They're going to just take it away. So if I don't get it today, I'm going to get nothing. But if I start it, they can't take it away. So, again, that goes back to that all or nothing thinking, right? I don't believe they're going to come in and wipe out Social Security for everyone because too many people depend on it. And whether you've started it or you haven't, if they decide you're too young to have Social Security at 62, they'll probably stop paying it. So sit down and think about it with the rules and the laws and everything that we have today when you make the decision. We can change things as it's delivered and the message changes, but don't just make that decision because you're eligible. The amount of growth on Social Security that you get by waiting, 
the permanent reductions that happen at age 62, sometimes those numbers are just blow your mind when you really look at what you're giving up. Yeah, especially now where, where inflation's higher and the, the COLAs can really bump up what you're going to get if you defer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know we looked at that last year with mm-hmm. the big uh, jump it had this, well, for this year. Yeah. And uh, it's dramatic. And uh, mm-hmm. and for some people, especially for people that haven't saved very much uh, or, or don't have a very healthy inve- retirement investment, to maximize that is, is really important. Especially if you had one high earner and maybe one that didn't earn as much through their working career because the higher amount stays. So if you have one that can maximize it, that really does help both partners in the relationship instead of just having the one get the high benefit or you both draw at the same time and then it drops off and it affects you both long term. So sit down, get a plan for Social Security too. It goes back to the same thing. Why am I drawing it now? What am I trying to get from this? So why am I drawing it now? And how does that affect me in the future? And just have a plan for everything and just pause and ask yourself those questions every time you make a financial decision. And it will maybe, maybe just change things a bit. Yep. So something that's come up a lot too, and I'm hoping we can get through this and make it clear. Um, we have enough time, I think so. But cost basis, how it's affected by dividends and the difference between cost basis and your tax basis. Those words are used pretty much interchangeably. I've got the tax expert over here, so he's going to be obviously feed in and help because he sees this a lot too. But understand that investments, mutual funds actually pay you a dividend you could potentially have an on-paper loss even though you've made money. Yeah, it is. It's a very it, weird yeah. thing. And people just, that blows their mind. And I, I told you about the client that um, just recently passed away. He had inherited a mutual fund from his mother in 1982, um, and it paid a regular dividend, and it just got reinvested. So this was probably eight years ago or more. He came in, I go, you know, we really need to sell some of that. It's really a big piece of your whole portfolio. And he goes, I don't want to sell it. I don't want to have to pay the taxes. Mm-hmm. And and we would do that over and over and over and over. And I, I go, it's just even if we just sell just a little bit. And he, no, no, I don't want to sell it. So finally I said, could you please just, let's figure out where you stand. Because we he didn't really have cost basis in, in the portfolio. So he brought in and he had every state every annual statement from when he inherited that which is amazing right and i took like an afternoon and added them up and his basis his you know ta- you know the cost basis after he reinvested um, for taxes he actually had a loss although he started at 35,000 is now worth 175,000 right Right. Then see, that's exactly the point, right? The cost basis is what you originally pay for something. The taxable basis is when you add back in those dividends. Mm-hmm. So if you put 100000 into an investment, but you've received 30000 worth of dividends during that time, your taxable basis is 130000 So if you sell it for 120, people goes, look, I lost ten grand, but you actually made thirty. But it reinvested, increased that basis. So also when you're looking at investments, and this is when I think it really gets people stumped, is statements from brokerage firms usually will show what you invested in the fund, but they don't show you how much was paid out in dividends that went into cash. Income portfolios at most times have their distributions pay into the money market to keep feeding you your income. We call that rainwater, right? It comes Mm -hmm. in all the time and continues to fill it up. But that is part of the return on that investment. 
So people think the investment potentially could be down because mutual funds value differently than stock. They have to calculate out the price per share every day, which includes the distribution that's there before it's paid out. So the price goes down when a distribution pays. But people look at that and say, look, I lost money. They don't realize it just filled up their reservoir with some more cash. So when you're looking at things, understand the total return of an investment does include the distributions that are paid out. Sounds simple, but when you're looking at it, you don't always remember that those distributions have been coming for years and filling your reservoir up with each one of those deposits. So understand how that works. It does make you feel better about most investments, like this client of Tom's, right? He paid tax on those dividends every year when they came in, but didn't understand that gets added to his basis. He assumed he had to pay tax on the difference between the 35 and the 135. Mm -hmm. So look at it, understand it. It does get a little complex. That's why we have tax people, investment people to explain this to you and continue to educate as we go. Yeah, and, and, the, and like you said, on some of those statements, or when you're looking at your accounts, you can misunderstand your rates of return because mm -hmm. of that. Uh -huh. So you're looking at just one to another, and like he would, if once I put in the cost base or the cost base or all the dividends in there and to make sure it was reported correctly, it looked like it'd been a loser. So now he's saying, well, this is a terrible investment. He didn't, but uh, you could look at it and go, I've lost money on this account, even though it went from 35 to 135, right? Mm -hmm. So. So it is something where um, you have to kind of be a little bit more thoughtful about it and, and look into the details a little bit more than just, you know, looking at the statement and, and being able to infer that. Yeah, good, good. Well, we did get one email, so I thought we'd do this real quick and hopefully we can answer it before we're out of time. Um, basically it says, uh, Jen Tom, I've listened to your show for some time. We do the basics, we invest, but my husband isn't as uncomfortable with that as I am. He isn't opposed, but each discussion always falls back to the argument of too much volatility. That's a normal thing. Usually in a relationship, one person is more comfortable with everything, right? So one maybe likes to do the yard and keep that up. The other one takes care of the finances and they come together, which makes a good partnership because one's stronger in one area and the other in another. But it can get to the point that when those statements come in the mail, to quote my youngest daughter, when she first started investing, I showed her, look, we put $1,000 in this little account for you. She's like, well, why is it worth 800 Oh, well, the market's down, so we should, you know, let that come back. And she says, well, let it come back and then give me my money. So mm -hmm. the natural reaction to how the market works causes people to be uncomfortable. They don't like the thought of money coming down temporarily in value. But remember, when you're investing and you're buying into just even like the S&P, you're buying into the greatest corporations in the world. They will be temporarily mispriced. But when you look at it and say, I own a business, we'll just say that. Someone comes to you and says, I think your business is worth less than you think it is. Well, based on what? Well, that's just what I think. So do I run and sell my business to them for half of what it's worth because they told me that? So remember, you're owning businesses when you buy stock. You're not gambling. It's not the same thing is going in, right. You're buying and owning. So don't forget that when you're investing and understand that prices come down, it's the great time to buy more. Yep. And volatility is the price for the higher rates of return that you get from the market. Mm -hmm. um, being able to stay in the market allows you to get those better returns. And, th and that's always been the case. Mm -hmm. And, and that, like you were saying at the beginning, you know, um, we should expect volatility that's that's always been the case so when it happens we shouldn't be like oh no what's now what what mm -hmm. do we do right no this has happened before it always has happened 
it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. But this is why you get the higher rates of return. So you look at the different asset classes, what pays best. Uh, the stock market has always been the higher rate of return. And mm -hmm. it's because of the volatility. Yeah. And honestly, when you look at the best investors, stealing fidelities thing, people that forgot they had accounts or passed away. So when you think about how simple that truly is, if you just set it and forget it, you're going to get that 9%, 10%, whatever it might be. Uh, but when you diversify and you get in other things to reduce the volatility, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying it depends on the how and why you're getting to where you're at. How come you're doing this with this portfolio? What are you trying to accomplish? If it requires less volatility because you're going to need the money in the short term, that's a different discussion. Yeah. Or you can afford the less volatility because you don't need as much of a return, like kind of say yep. the same thing. Correct. Um, I think that uh, if it's long term and you're trying to get to a certain point, you need to be able to open your eyes and go, hey, I need to get through this volatility to get where I want to be. Right. Uh, thank you again for listening to us today. We're sorry to cut it a little bit short, but you will hear Dave and Kevin's replay of their interview on Monday. It's excellent as always. And we do apologize again that the phones weren't working and we weren't able to take your calls. But as always, if something comes up during the week, you are welcome to email us. Uh, you can do that through our website, petsofinancial.com. You can call our office. The number and contact information is also on our website. And hopefully we'll be back soon and we can talk to you live on air. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.